Good morning. It is so good to have you here with us this morning. As Nat said, for those of you who are visiting with us, my name's Ramon, and it is so good to have you with us. We're really excited to have you here this morning. I trust that you feel welcomed, and I trust that you will enjoy the morning with us. I'm just going to jump straight into it this morning. Um, This morning, how many of you know that in church we have this horrible habit of using words that no one else understands? My favorite one is when I ask someone how they're doing, and I get this in return. I'm so blessed, man. So blessed. Always blessed, bro. Just, I'm just so blessed. And I'm like, I get it. Like, we, we, we want to be blessed, and, 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 and I want to be blessed, and, and yes, I am blessed. But, but maybe it's okay saying that to me. But the last thing that I hope happens is when we engage with people at work or in our social settings and they say, hey man, how are you doing? And we're like, bro, I'm so blessed. It's like, I don't know, man, your hairline seems fine to me. It's, uh... But we use these words that, 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 that hold meaning for us in the setting that we may function in or when we come to church on a Sunday or, or gather with, with like-minded people, but yet to the world around us, it's, it can be quite foreign. Allow your minds to wonder a little when we, when we say something like, we'd love to give you a love offering. What on earth is that? Like, is that a multitude of hugs? Does that go deeper than that? Is this something that I should have my wife around for? And I think sometimes we just need to think about how we communicate and what we say to people who may not (laughs) understand the lingo, (laughs) so to speak. And I believe what I'm really saying is that, that in our daily lives, we shouldn't be so heavenly minded that we're of absolutely no earthly good. But that we should understand that, that, that Jesus was an exceptionally real man. And when he spoke to people, he spoke into the heart of the matter. And he didn't float around like, like a lot of us may think he did. He, was, he came to earth and he was man. He was flesh and blood. And even though he was perfect, when he went to the cross, he didn't just hang there and kind of watch time go by no in his humanity he had pain and he bled and he died and he was a man even though he was fully God he was fully man and I think at times we just need to pay attention to that especially when we're engaging with people and another one of these 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 words is is calling you know I've you know we we all long for calling isn't that We, we all long to be called so to speak. And for those of you who are with us this morning, thanking me right now because half the stuff you hear at times and you're not really sure what Christians are talking about when they say these things. And it's frustrating. So when we talk about calling, what we're really talking about is just purpose, just a godly purpose in our lives. Isn't that the truth? That there's a, there's a godly purpose that I'm living beyond just waking up in the morning, making it through life, and then going to bed. And one day, you know, it's like life, you live, you pay taxes, and you die. 
to, to move beyond that, to have a deeper purpose in life. And that's really what we talk about when we talk about calling. But so often we can just throw the word out. You know, you speak to a coworker and you say, hey, man, dude, I've been called. It's like, like to the boss's office. All right. Dude, does someone call you out? Do you need backup? Like, I'm there. I'll, I'll help you. I'm, I'm with you. But as we talk about calling, as we, as we talk about this thing of being called, my mind, my mind shifts a bit. It, it runs down a bit of a other rabbit hole. And I, I think this to myself. I think when we talk about being called, I also think it's true that we've all been called something, isn't it? Like the day you were born, your parents called you something. Or someone called you something. M- maybe along the line you picked up a, 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 a nickname, and as a result, that's what you called. Or maybe <laughs> you met someone, engaged with them, and somewhere along the line, there was relational breakdown, and they started to really not like you, and they called you something. I've, I was exceptionally good. I've been, really been working at it. Where I'd, I'd call people all sorts of stuff in traffic. <laughs> I was brilliant at giving people new names. <laughs> and then I got someone about Jay High sitting in the back seat who starts repeating stuff I say. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Talk about a wake up call. Maybe at work. <laughs> You're called something. So in, in my life, apparently the day that I entered into the world, I was red, I was kicking, and I was screaming. Um, I have to take their word for it. Apparently I was there. I don't remember much about it, though. Um, and on that day, my parents called me Ramon. I grew up a little. They got to learn a bit about my, um, how can I say, personality and character and all those things and uh, before long I'd been given a nickname of monster apparently I earned it a few more years went by and I got to school and I had to engage with the with the education system and and apparently me and the education system were like oil and water we we struggled to connect and um, I developed new names like um, stupid and lazy and no good. Uh, I had a math teacher who told me that I would never amount to anything. So I repaid the favor by at least once a week. Her class was the last class on the corner of the hall on the middle block. Once a week, I would be in a different class somewhere and I'd asked to go to the toilet and I'd leave the class and I'd take my shoes off at the bottom of the stairs so that I could run up the stairs without making a noise. I'd get to, the, to her door and her class being right at the end, the door opened outward towards the corridor. And in summer, you know how hot it gets, your, your legs stick to your seat. So whenever we get that hot, the door would be wide open. And I would very gently unlatch the the door and I'd grab the door with both hands and I would swing it with every living bit of strength that God had given me 
And that door would pound closed with the biggest And apparently everyone in the class, including her, would have heart failure. Then I gave my life to Jesus. And... uh, Then after school, after I'd been called all sorts of wonderful things at, at school, I um, went and studied. After my studies, I, 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 I can't say I became a stunt rider for a living because it was more like for pocket change, um, pocket money. And, uh, and during that time, it was called other things like madman and crazy and all sorts of stuff. And then... I met my in-laws and I was called a curse to the family. Sorry, did I say that out loud? No. Um, We had that conversation last week. I love them to bits. Then somewhere along the line, I I started being called, uh, we we entered into this space and now it's pastor. And if you want to know what to call me, Ramon works. Okay, I'm happy with that. Out of everything that I've just said, Ramon is perfectly fine. But when you think of all those names, and and as I've been talking, you've probably been registering with your own thoughts as to in those different places, what were you called? What did did people call you? So, So what do we do? Do we now just take all these names and throw them into one melting pot, kind of put it all together and kind of go, ta-da, this is now who I am. And out of everything that we've been called, what's the truth? What's the name that, that is true to who we really are and who we've been created to be? When we named our son, we called him Zion. And we called him Zion for a very specific reason. Uh, we, one of the meanings of the, of the name Zion is where God lives. And that's just, that's in my desire, is that one day Zion will for himself find real and true relationship with Jesus. And that he will understand what it means to, to have God live inside of him and that his life will be marked by the presence of God. Now, as I read through Scripture, as I, as I, especially in the Old Testament, as I read through Scripture, I see some parents didn't get the memo. They just kind of named their kids. And it led to all sorts of stuff. One of these poor kids was a guy by the name of Jacob. And when Jacob was born, he was one of, he was a twin. And his brother's name was Esau. And Esau was the older brother. But Jacob wanted to be the older brother. It says that even in their mother's womb, they fought. How's that for a rough pregnancy? Talk about morning sickness, more like all day sickness. And it says that, that during birth, as Esau came out, he came out with Jacob grabbing his ankle. So they called him Jacob, which means him who grabs the heel. The figurative meaning of that means he who deceives. So here they named their poor little child Deceiver. <laughs> And he lived up to it, man. I mean, he deceived his brother out of his birthright. And birthright was a big deal. Like when you were the older brother, when you were the firstborn son, it was a big deal. 
you would get a larger inheritance than any of the other kids. Um, you, when your father passed away, you would be the one who would, who would head up the family from that point forward. It was a massive deal. And Jacob goes and swindles his own brother out of that birthright. And once the birthright was given, it couldn't be reversed. And we see, we see him swindle his brother out of it by swindling his elderly blind father. Goes at a crucial moment and pretends that he's Esau and, and, and essentially goes and, 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 and pretends that he is who he isn't, deceives his father who's on his deathbed and gains a birthright. So he might have been called deceiver at birth, but he lived up to his name through a whole section of his life. And then one day something happens. One day Jacob comes and he has this encounter with God. And he has this encounter with God. We can, we can read about it in Genesis 32, uh, verses 22 through 36. And essentially, Jacob finds himself alone one night. And, and it says that a man came along and, and Jacob wrestled this man till daybreak. And as we read the story, we realize that, that this wasn't just a man, but that he wrestled with God. Now, let's just clear something up. How many of you know that it's not much of a contest when you wrestle with God? It's not like God was struggling to win. It's not like God was battling in this moment. But what God was doing was God was taking Jacob through a process. <laughs> he just kept it in. It's kind of like me wrestling my son. I mean, he's flipping cute. He really is. But at two and a half, kind of don't look like I've just won the CrossFit Games. But the truth be told, I can still out-wrestle a two and a half-year-old. And that's just the truth is that, is that just as me playing with my son and, and him kind of feeling like, man, I've got a chance here. I'm going to do it. I'm going to wrestle dad. Truth be told, there isn't a chance, not yet. Let him grow a bit. It's the same with God in this moment. I don't believe that God for a minute was struggling when he wrestled with Jacob. He just kept it interesting. And Jacob wrestles with God throughout the night to the time that morning comes. And, and it says that at one point God says to Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says to him, I won't let go until you bless me. I won't let go until you bless me. And essentially, as I read that, the sense that I get is that Jacob is really saying to God, God, I have deceived my way through life. I've swindled my way through life. Whenever I've needed breakthrough, whenever I've needed a result, I've, I've kind of manipulated my way through it to the point where I've got what I wanted. And today, today I'm hanging on for dear life because I want something legitimately. And God responds and he says, what's your name? And in that moment, I can only imagine what must have gone through Jacob because all that Jacob had to reply with is deceiver. That's my name. Deceiver. And God looks at Jacob and he says to him, not anymore. Today, you will not be called Jacob anymore. 
from today onwards, you'll be called Israel. And the significance within the, the, the name change there is that Jacob that day went from, from Jacob being, being a deceiver to Israel, which means God fights or God prevails. And, and again, as I, as I look at the, at the, the significance there, it's like in that moment, God is saying to Jacob, you've had to deceive in order to get results. Yes. But from now onwards, God fights on your behalf. And because God fights on your behalf, God will prevail for you and the results will follow. And when people call your name, that's what they'll think. Israel, not Jacob. And he lived an entire section of his life as this, as this deceiver. But when God changed his name to Israel, and I hope we catch this today, he started to live out his calling from the name that God had called him. He started to live out his purpose in life from the name that God gave him. Folks, what about us? What about you? What have you been called? What have you been called? Maybe, maybe you've struggled with your calling. Maybe you've struggled with your purpose. Because somewhere along the line, you believed a name that someone gave you. Maybe you're struggling with, with, with really living a life of purpose and depth because somewhere along the line, you believe the lie of a name that isn't actually yours to begin with. And as we ask this question, I think an even better question is this. What has God called you? What has God called you? And if you were here last week, you know, we, we, we touched on it right at the end of the message. Jesus had these 12 guys that he, that he did life with for three years. And out of these 12 guys, there was one guy that, that became his, his best friend. His name was John. And as John approaches the end of his life, he says this about, about, about Jesus, and he says this about the heart of God for us. He says this, he says, in John chapter 1 and verse 12, he says, But to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. I love the way the New King James says it. It says, But as many as received him, as many as received God, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. This thing received, this, this word received means to take, to lay hold of. So when we take God, when we lay hold of God, when we accept God, then in those, that moment, there's this name change that happens. And we, and we, we, we no longer just these people trying to pay taxes and die. But, but we, come, we, be, we become these people who carry the name of God. And we become children of God. 
We become sons and we become daughters. Just now we, we even sang in the, in, the, in the song there, there was a line that said, my orphan heart was given a name. My orphan heart was given a name. What a beautiful promise. You see, the truth is, folks, that, that once we may have been called sinners, but when we, when we grab hold of God, we become sons. Someone somewhere along the line may have called you a coward, but God looks at you and he calls you kin. You may have been called a failure, but God calls you friend. You, you may have been called forgotten, but God calls you family. And to kind of bring the circle back to where we started, the thing of calling. You see, our first calling, our first purpose in life is relationship with God. Our first purpose in life is intimacy with God, to, to, to know God and, and, and to, to spend time with Him for Him to, to just impart who He is into our lives. Just to show us who He is. Who is this Father? Who is this God? Who is this person who, who moved heaven and earth to have relationship with us? Who is this man? And that is our first call in life, is to be connected to God. When we talk about being connected with God, We connect with God through intimacy. And, and, and as we spend time with God, as we just engage with God, we know that, that, that He said this. He said this in, in the book of Jeremiah. He said, he said that if anyone searches for me, they will find me when they seek for me with all their hearts. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, He, he said that we should, we should seek Him first. And that as we do this, there's this connection that is built between us and God that is probably the most beautiful and most, most precious connection that we could ever have in life is our connection with God. And as we connect with God, He, he, he goes a step, a step further and He connects us with people, within family, within, within community. And we have this godly connection and then we have these connections with loved ones Jesus said it this way when he when he prayed over you and he prayed over me you may not know that Jesus actually prayed for you but he did he believe it or not continues to pray for you even to this day that's what scripture tells us but very specifically he he prayed for you in the garden of Gethsemane in John chapter 17 from, uh, I'm just reading here out of verse 20 and 21. He said this. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples. Who are these disciples? The 12 that we spoke about. I'm not only praying for these 12, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. See, when we've taken hold of God, that prayer becomes ours. And in that moment, he was thinking about you as he's sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe 
you sent me. What's Jesus saying? Lord, may, may, may we, us, you and me, may we experience a unity that, that is uncommon on the face of the planet. At the same time, may us and God experience an intimacy, a, a relationship, a connection that we don't see very often. When I, when I use this word connection, I think of a plumbing incident that I had recently um, at our house. Um, so our house, we've got like a, a ground floor, which is just like a kitchen, a living room, and uh, a little guest bathroom, and then upstairs is our bedrooms. And, um, and I was taking a shower the one morning, and after my shower, I came downstairs and as I stepped down off the last step onto the ground floor, <laughs> it was just wet. And I looked around and the whole bottom area is just flooded, completely flooded. And um, to my great joy, I figured out that it had flooded through the toilet bowl. We'll leave that story right there. So I called the plumber and, um, and it called the plumbers and plumbers came through and... and uh, they were out there for a little while, and after a while, I went outside and said, hey, you guys okay? Uh, have you found the problem? And the guy says, yeah, you've got roots in your pipes. I'm like, roots in my pipes? So I asked him, I said, hey, man, are my pipes cracked? Like, do I have holes in the pipes that the, that the roots have now got into the pipes? And he says, no. No, everywhere where your, where your pipes are connected, if the connection's not tight then the roots we're talking about aren't these thick roots. They're these roots that are about the thickness of, a little thicker than your hair. And hundreds of these just over time creep in through these open spaces and, and kind of wiggle their way in to the point where they just clog up the drain. And knowing that I do what I'm doing right now, week in and week out, I love those moments because it always gets my mind racing. I'm like, I said to them, thank you, carry on. And I just shot inside and I just started writing these things down because it just made me think about exactly what we're talking about now. That, that what he said was when the connection's not tight, all these little roots creep in and end up blocking the flow within the pipe. Think about life. What I realized in that moment is that the same applies to our lives. When our connection with God isn't tight, when our connection with God isn't where it should be, then all these little roots from, from daily life just creep in through those little spaces. And if we leave it unattended, that after a while, there's so many of them that just creep in there and end up clock, clogging up the drain, that it stops the flow from God's heart to my heart, and from my heart to God's heart. And not just that, even us. When, 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 when I'm in relationship, let me use my wife. When, when my wife and I are in relationship, and we're not paying attention to the tightness of that connection, then over a period of time, the roots of life find their way in through all those little spaces, and they end up clogging up the flow of relationship 
between her and me. Think about your own life. How's that connection between you and God? How's how's that flow feeling right now? Is it feeling hindered? Is it feeling blocked? Is it feeling like, like, like something's not right? Then maybe we need to pay attention to that connection. Maybe you and your spouse... Something's hindering it. Something's something's blocking. Something's in the way. Well, maybe we need to pay attention to that connection. Maybe you and your coworkers, or or or, or you and your boss. Maybe there, there's there's this constant tension, and and feels like there's this blockage. Well, maybe you need to pay attention to that connection. You see, folks. My calling, my purpose will be lived out best when my connections are at their tightest. Fact. Why? Because then I'm keeping the roots and the cares of life out of the flow. I'm keeping all that stuff out of, out of my relationship with you. I'm keeping all of that junk out of my relationship with God. And if I can start off by having all that junk out of my relationship with God, then automatically... I'm going to want to pay attention to the connection between you and me. Why? Because God's heart is relational. Just as God desires for you and me to have relationship with Him, He also desires for me and you to have relationship, healthy relationship with each other. When my calling is secure in who called me, and when my, my calling is secure, when my purpose is secure in what he called me, all just because this connection of intimacy between me and God is tight, then, then somewhere along the line there must be an outflow. There, there, there must be an overflow. See, what I also learned in my plumbing incident was the reason why it came out of the bowl was because there should have been a place outside where it had space to escape. Couldn't go anywhere, so just found the one place that it comes out. And, and folks, how many of us know that so often when there's pressure in life, it flows out the wrong space? And we end up hurting in relationship. We end up saying stuff that we regret. We end up hurting loved ones. We end up losing a job because we, we, we couldn't control that moment with our tongue. But you see, when we are living in, in healthy relationship it, with a tight connection with God, then somewhere along the line, there needs to be an outflow because God's forever pouring into our lives. And as he's pouring in, that's got to go somewhere. Or else we just become a swamp. And we start stinking it up. Stagnant water just breeds disease. (laughs) I never want to be a place of disease. Relationally, emotionally. I never want to be that place. I want to be a place that God can flow through freely. And you see, folks, that, that outflow is, is something called commission. 
And, and we, again, in church circles, we call it the Great Commission. It's kind of those, those last words that Jesus gave us just before he left the face of the planet. I've, I've used this example before, before I guess. You know how when your parents would go away over a weekend or something like that, they'd give you this list of stuff that, that like the do's and don'ts and the stuff that had to be done, all the chores and stuff that had to be done before, before they, they get back. And it's great to pay attention to that list, right? But what do you pay attention to the most? Whatever mom said or whatever dad said just before they walked out the door. The last thing they said, you know, <laughs> if I get that one right, I've won the battle. Life's good. We always give the most crucial information right at the end. I find it amazing that the last thing that Jesus says to his followers just before he leaves is go, make disciples. Like if we're going to miss everything else, let's remember what he said just before he walked out the door, so to speak. Let's pay attention to the last thing that he said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to do everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you always. See, what Jesus was, was, was saying to his disciples was, what I want you to do is I want you to go and lead people through relationships. That's what discipleship is. You see, so often as, as the body of Christ, and, and, and now I'm specifically speaking to those of us who, who would call ourselves Jesus followers. If you call yourself a Jesus follower, far too often we've, we've read this and we've acted it out very differently. We've gone into all the world and we've made converts. We've been happy with just going, meeting with someone, giving them our little five points in a poem, and then getting them to pray a prayer. And then from there, come and sit in church. And now that you're sitting in church and you're a good boy and you're a good girl, we're happy. Rubbish, man. What a boring life. The last thing I ever want to do is be some good little boy. Sitting in church on a Sunday because it's the right thing to do. Heck no. I want to live a, a, a full and purposeful life in Christ. And that's why he didn't say go and make converts. No. no. Go and make disciples. What's he saying? Man, go and do life with people. And when you do life with people, they fall in love with the Jesus in you. See, never mind wouldn't I be a pastor today, but I wouldn't even be a follower of Jesus today if it wasn't because I engaged with men and women who I recognized the reality of Jesus in them. Not some religious spiel, not some tradition, not, not, not just things that we do because we're South African. You know, I'm South African, so I'm a Christian. So when I have to fill out a form and it says Muslim or or pagan or whatever, I don't know, Quit them all on there, and then there's Christian. 
Yes, I'm South African. I'm a Christian. There we go. God help us. I believe that is why so many people are inoculated to the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Not because he isn't real, but because the example that they've seen hasn't been real. I wonder today, folks, when it comes to that purpose, when it comes to that calling, have we, have we, really, have we really connected to God through intimacy for that calling? Have we, have we really pursued God? Have we really searched God for, for His purpose for our lives? Because that's an exciting life. That's the sort of life I want. I don't want to be a good boy sitting in a pew. If that was the purpose of life, sorry, for, forgive me for saying this, but if that was the purpose of having relationship with God, we should kill the person we've just converted. If, if the purpose of giving our lives to Christ is heaven one day, then we should ultimately pray for someone and then shoot them in the head. Because then they've reached their purpose. Don't look at me all shocked. I'm not that Manson dude. But that's a fact. That's not the purpose of life. The purpose of life is in heaven one day. The purpose of life is relationship with God. The, the purpose of life is to live out that relationship with God to the lives around us. That they don't see some stale, infested swamp that calls himself Christian. Lord help us. No. My prayer is that all of us would desire <laughs> to live lives that inspire the lives around us to not latch onto a religion, but to jump head first into a relationship. This, this morning, as we've spoken around, around being called, being connected, being commissioned, for those of you who are part of the, the life of this family, it might sound familiar because these are our values just in different words. When we talk about being called, finding our purpose in God, doesn't it, that sound a lot like being found in God? When we talk about being connected to God through relationship, when we talk about being connected to the people around us through relationship, doesn't that sound a lot like being formed in community? When we talk about being commissioned and, and, and not just wearing a badge, but living a life and, and, and reproducing the Jesus in us in the lives around us, that sounds a lot like being fruitful in this world. Being found in God, being formed in community, being fruitful in this world. Folks, to this day, man, that's my heart's desire, is to live in that space. Sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel like I can conquer the world, sometimes I struggle to get out of bed. But at the end of the day, 
day in and day out. I come back to the source of hope. I come back to the source of life. I come back to the source of peace. And I just engage and say, Lord, forgive me for where I've stuffed up. But Father God, come and, and be the life that not just I need in my life today, but Lord, come and be the life that the lives around me need today. So I wonder today, as we've just spoken through these things, what have you been called? What have you been called? And maybe somewhere along the line, you believed a lie. Maybe somewhere you believed the lie of stupid. Maybe somewhere you believed the lie of coward. Maybe somewhere along the line, you um, believed the lie of deceiver. Maybe somewhere along the line, you believed the lie of fatherless. But today, I hope and I pray that as you've just been open to, to, to hear from God this morning, that this morning you heard that, that, that I'm not fatherless, but I'm family. He, he, he didn't call me coward. No, he called me kin. He called me his son. He called me his daughter. I'm no longer under the banner of sinner. I'm now a son. And that your life has purpose, your life has meaning. Not because of how clever or smart you are, but because of whose you are. Maybe this morning as we've spoken through that connection and, and the, the, the desperate need for, for that connection to be tight. You've recognized, hey man, my connection's not tight. My connection, first off, with God is just, it's not tight. It's not where it should be. And I can recognize that all these roots have just found their way into the system. And it's just blocked up my relationship with him. And, and here's what I learned that day is that a plumber came, opened that thing up, pulled out all the roots, closed it, sealed it tightly, and buried it again. You see, folks, our failure isn't fatal. In those moments, if we failed to keep that connection tight, all we have to do is come back to God and say, Lord, we need to pay attention to this connection. Will you come and remove the roots? And today I choose to just to make sure that that connection is tight. Worship team's welcome to come back. Maybe you're sitting here today and you are desperately struggling with a relational issue. And you recognize that the reason why you're struggling with that issue of relationship, with maybe it's a, a, a parent or a family member or a spouse or a co-worker. But this morning you recognize that yes, that connection hasn't been tight and we've allowed all sorts of roots in. I want to challenge you with this. Go have that conversation. Not as to how right you are and how wrong they are. But maybe go and have that conversation. Hey, I recognize we haven't paid attention to this relationship. Let's 
Allow God to remove these roots. Will you forgive me for my part in this? Allow those roots out. And allow God to come and re-tighten that connection. Maybe this morning you've been in a space where it kind of hurt when I, when I called living a certain way being like a swamp. Because it, it kind of hit home. You kind of realized, ah, oh, it's so true. And I come to church to receive. I spend time with God to receive. I go to a small group or whatever to receive. But I don't have an outflow. I, I don't ever really pay attention to those last words that Jesus spoke here on earth. And I don't really go and share the reality of Christ in my life with anyone. And today, it's, we've got to pay attention to that. Today, I want to urge you, go and talk to God about that thing. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, not, for, 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 for being slack in this space. Lord, I'm sorry for, for, for um, being happy and satisfied with just being a very nice guy and a very nice lady sitting in a church pew. The Lord, I desire to have a life that influences. Lord, I desire to have a life that you have purposed me for, that my connection to you will overflow into the lives of people around me. Lord, today I make myself available right there as you're just sitting in your seat do business with God do business with God and allow him to just come and start bringing that change that needs to happen Father God I thank you for your people Lord Lord I thank you that you love us I thank you that you care for us Lord Lord, and I thank you that you do not desire for us to be good, but you desire for us to be godly. Lord, I thank you that you do not desire for us to be hung up on religion, Lord, but I thank you that you so desperately desire for us to be head in first in relationship. Father God, I thank you that this morning as your sons and your daughters, Lord, just come and do business with you. Lord, I thank you that as they respond to them, to the, the prompting of your spirit, Lord, that little voice inside of them, Lord, Father God, I thank you that you come and meet them right where they're at, Lord, that you come and meet us right where we're at. Lord, I thank you that even though you meet us where we're at, I thank you that you love us enough not to leave us that way. But that you come, Lord, and that through your gentle way and through, through your love and your care, Lord, that you come and you start bringing the change that is so desperately needed in each and every one of us, Lord. Father God, I thank you that today as folks leave, Lord, that we don't believe the lie, but that we wholeheartedly trust you our heavenly father lord that as we leave today that we can focus on you 
Lord, and that we can focus on our connection with you, Lord, to keep that, that, that flow clear, Lord. Lord, and I thank you that as we leave here today, that we find that outflow in you, Lord, that we heed your words where you said, now go and make disciples. We love you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that as we go out, Lord, that each and every one of us will daily pursue your heart to be an accurate representation of your son. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.